Hello, I'm Laura Furiosi, divorced mother of three, and I'm here with my mother, Lynette Galvin, with 35 years' experience in family law. You're listening to the Divorce Course Podcast. Through our candid discussions, we hope to help you through your divorce or de facto separation. We will be answering the most commonly asked questions and covering the stages and steps that you will face on your way to freedom. One of our members and listeners' main fears is having a very expensive divorce, property settlement or children's matter agreement. This episode is how to avoid that very expensive divorce, the five main things that you can do and to watch out for. Thank you, Mum. Hello, Laura. Hello. Hi, everyone. Now, before we start, every month we choose a lucky reviewer to get a free chat with you. Mm -hmm. And today it is Burn Fish. 57. Oh, okay. <laughs> by the Apple Podcasts. And it's titled Ping Pong Letters, and they gave us five stars. Yay. Oh, lovely. Thank um, you. This podcast came as a breath of clean air. I have been listened to, but not counseled by my solicitors, and paying thousands for letters they only wanted to play ping pong. Finally, an expert telling me exactly where to look what to expect, and it hasn't cost a cent. <laughs> Thanks, guys. You're both helping millions of Aussie women. So, oh, I don't know if we're helping so millions. But, but, but maybe some. Thanks. Yes, but thank you, Burnfish. So definitely email us at the divorcecoursepodcast yep. at gmail.com and we'll arrange that free call for you with mum. Yep. And if anybody else would like to write a review, we will be choosing one again next month Yes, to also win. Mm. So, And we really appreciate people writing in because the more – reviews we get the more our podcast gets pushed to people so and the more people who need it who we can help can help thank you so much all right mum so we're talking about ways to avoid super expensive divorces so before we start Mm. giving the five things that people really need to watch out for what kind of prices have you seen happen to people or are there cases that everyone talks about in court they're like holy moly that was expensive Mm, yes, there are, there are a few cases where the people have been in court for years. Mm. And I'm thinking of the case of Strawn. It was a published case, S-T-R-A-C-H-A-N. And uh, that they released a few million at a shot um, each time for the, the wife to pursue her case. And the Holy. court had some terrible things to say about the lawyers and wow. the proportionality of spending so much money as the pool was diminishing by the end of it. I don't think they were fighting over as much as they'd already spent in legal fees. Wow. So, yes, you need to keep it. And there are cases where you think, how did that get so big? Mm. How did that? There's, there's a modest property pool and how did they use all their money? And do you know, Laura, they're saying um, in the statistics with the family courts mm. that 20, I think it's 22% of people are self-represented on the first court date. Mm-hmm. But 39% of people, of cases, sorry, have at least one self-represented litigant by trial. Wow. And that means to me that people are wasting money on the early stages yes. and then have run out by the time it comes to the very important thing mm. and they have to represent themselves. Mm. And often they're using their lawyers to do things they could do for themselves. Right. So, yeah. so that's something you've got to watch out for because mm. it looks like I didn't even know it was possible to spend millions and millions and millions of dollars yeah, in four fees, it is. but that's terrible. It is. It is. Right. Okay. So don't let that be you. No. I mean, even if you've got a $30,000 property pool and you spend ten on litigation, mm. that's 
madness. Yes. You might as well have settled it and, yes. yeah, saved the money for your kids. Yep. Okay. Everyone's situation is different. Though, of so course. always get legal yeah. advice, but, you know, general this is advice general only. advice yes. only. <laughs> All right. So number one thing that you see makes people's divorces expensive or their property settlement mm. is is about getting the facts. So can you yeah. tell tell everybody listening today, what should they be doing yeah. so it doesn't rack up so the bills? Ping pong letters. That's what Burn Fish, our lovely listener, said. That's exactly what it is. Mm. Ping pong letters. Tis, didn't. Did, didn't. Oh, I think it was this, you think it was that. No, stick to the facts. Get the proof. For almost every important assertion you make in property settlement, like mm-hmm. whether it's a point about what you had at the beginning of the relationship, uh, what something was worth when you bought it, all of those things can be proven by documents. And if you don't have the documents anymore, you can find someone who still has the documents, your previous conveyancing lawyer. Uh, ask your super fund what you had at a certain date, all of those things. And and the minute you can produce a fact, then the whole argument disappears. A fact with evidence. Well, so you fact, can't, you no, can't argue evidence. It's no point tis tisn't because no, neither of you is going to persuade the other. Mm. So you say, they say, this is what happened. You know, you say, that's what happened and here's the proof. Yes. And then that that issue is just put to one side. Yeah. And we've always talked about legal letters and how expensive they are because mm. the lawyer has to read it. The lawyer then has to charge you for that. Then they have to write a draft letter yeah. and that they have to charge you for that. Then they have to send it to you and they have to charge you for that. And then you have to read it and get back if there's any changes. Yes. And then they have to send it to the other side. And Who if may got, respond. If you've got ping pong letters going on, that mm. is a lot of dollars. No matter how short the letter is. Yes. Uh, it still costs the same, like mm. really, usually, usually they cost at least a minimum of a six-minute unit. Yeah, which is roughly? A tenth of whatever their hourly rate is. Wow. So that's mm. like if their hourly rate's $500. Mm. It's $50 for the letter to you, the letter back to them, the mm. letter to the other side, the letter, you know, it's just all very, it just adds up. And really um, it's stuff you can probably do. So, so think about that. Think about what work you can do mm. um, and Find the proof it's worth emptying out your filing cabinet or checking everything online or going through your phone and finding something that proves your your point because it's lovely how that issue just boop, disappears. The minute you get that mm-hmm. hard proof. And we've talked about in webinars before the three types of mm. lawyers you can have and you can have the first class ride, mm. which is probably what those strawn people had, yep, they where did. they sat in the aeroplane and they don't do anything, they don't drive the plane, they don't look at the maps, they're just enjoying it and they go along, not that they're probably enjoying yeah. it. But you can also do that step in, step out approach. Where you do some of the work. Where you can do some yeah. of the work. So and if there's a tis tisn't letter, you can say to the lawyers, you know what, I, I, I've got that proof, I'll find it this weekend. Yeah. Um, and it could be an odd bit of proof. Like mm. I remember once there was an argument about a car mm-hmm. and uh, and my client said, no, that was bought new for me for my birthday. And they said, no, it wasn't, you know, just bought. She found a photo of her with the car with a big bow on it. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> uh, and the beauty of them nowadays is if they're digital photos, they've got date stamps. Yes. And And sometimes because we're all only human, Sometimes your recollection might be wrong. Yes. And it also is good for you then to find the proof and go, oh, I could have sworn Mm. it was something else. And then you can say, okay, sorry, I'll concede that point. And again, boop, the point disappears. And that would save you money if you've completely got it wrong and you're arguing it till you're blue in the face for the next three days. (sighs) um, You know, that could really be 
you know. Well, it might be the reason you don't settle. Mm. You know, you might be another, you know, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars in legal fees mm. until someone finds the proof. So your job is to keep your fees down. Get that proof and yep. always find the evidence. And if that involves you having to go through the whole office from top to bottom to find it, do it. Because yep. the sooner you do it, yep. and that's the, the same less with pain. agreeing with what the property pool is as yes. well, isn't it? Once yeah. you've got a property pool agreement and that, yeah, this is how much we all have combined. This is how much the house is. This is how much. Yeah. And it's easier to negotiate. Absolutely. You can't really negotiate until then, but somehow people do. That people try to. Yes. And And I have had cases um, where I've inherited the case usually. Uh, oh, I remember one where I did it. Um, my, my client wanted. So we agreed to 50-50. Mm. And I thought that was the end of it. Um, this was years ago. And then they started moving the goalposts on what the property pool was, 50-50 of what. Mm. And so we had just as big an argument as if I hadn't agreed or my client hadn't agreed to 50-50. Mm. So, you know, be careful with those sort of things. Yes, yeah. definitely. Okay, number two, and we bring this up a lot. Yes, we do. And one of our members actually went to mediation recently and used this rule and, <laughs> and finally finalised their mediation. Oh, great. Um, furniture. Yes. So tell us, anybody who's listening who wants to keep their divorce not expensive or their property set up not expensive, what is it about furniture that well, makes it expensive? It, because there's so many bits of it to fight over, mm. you know, and it's, it's not a legal thing. So don't do furniture fights because I've seen lawyers writing massive big letters with checklists and inventory of stuff and, you know, the esky in the in the laundry, the, oh, my goodness. And how much would a letter like that cost? Oh, well, a fortune. Yeah. If, if it's a few pages, yes. you know, even if you've compiled the list, it's still a big letter. The other side writes it and gets it and then they write back and respond, no, that microwave was mine from when I lived in the flat and the, Really? By the you time know. you've argued that, you've probably mm. spent more money than it's worth. Absolutely. And like I say, it's only secondhand furniture anyway. Mm. So if you can't agree on furniture, let it go. Yeah, and you've said that you've seen it. people go to mediations and they spend the whole day mm. arguing about furniture, who gets the towels, who gets the plates, mm. and then what happens is they don't ever get to the important things like how many days do that child spend with each parent mm. or who gets 50% of the property pool, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. So that would never have been my client, I have to say. They yes. keep t track of what's important. But the other side throws up these little barriers and they try to find sometimes the things that you you really love to mm. put in there. So the court has dealt with it a few different ways over time. But imagine getting to the trial and still having issues with furniture. The court's attitude basically is we can't be bothered. Yes. Um, we will... You do two lists, mum, or, or the applicant, roughly equal. You, the respondent, choose one of those lists. That's the end of the furniture. Yeah. Uh, so unless it's amazing, antique, not, not insurance value, mm. but it's really got to be something really amazing. Uh, I do know, like, if it's an inherit, inherited piece that's handed down through the generations, yes, argue over that by all means, but not, not the second microwave the lounge chairs don't just don't or the second best dinner no, don't the go there yeah because just call it minimalism and step into your new future mm. without it it mm. doesn't really matter oh, well and for the cost of arguing it you mm. probably could have gone and bought yourself a new set well you could certainly have bought yourself a whole second hand house yes full. 
Yeah. Yeah. And maybe you don't want those memories. You know? and, and look, I know it sounds heartless because, you does. know, mm. like you and I are not going through a divorce right now, mm. but, you know, we've both been through it mm-hmm. and we both know that you do. You're attached to like the cutlery that you've always used since the kids were yes. little. And every time you look at that little spoon, it reminds you of when mm. little Johnny had pasta for the first time or you know there are those memories attached to those things and I I get it it can be super emotional Mm. but if your end goal is to do a divorce as cheaply as possible this is definitely one of those things to let go and also too by the time you get to my age and older I'm starting to worry or think about what what sort of stuff am I leaving for the children and the you know, you guys don't want the spoon that I used <laughs> no. to feed Cameron his vegetables or, no. you know. So stuff that I have I thought was vital in my 30s and mm. 40s, mm. now I'm saying I need to let that go yes. because, you know, yeah. we're downsizing or whatever. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's it's not for the kids. It's really for you. Yeah. And these days with digital photos, um, we do have a lot of memories in the photos. Mm. So take a photo of it mm. and if, if they've got it, it's not worth arguing over. They probably only have it because they, they know, know you, you want, want it. it. So that becomes your sort of weak spot in mm. negotiation. Mm. Mm. All right. So that's a bit of a hard line there, Sorry. but it will yeah. help. Okay. Number three, mum, is educating yourself to know you're knowing you're asking for something reasonable. Yes. So absolutely. explain this. How does this save you money? Well, it, it's two things. It's it's educate yourself so you know what you're asking for is reasonable. Because if you ask for something unreasonable, they're going to argue back. Of course that. And, and when you're you not say really reasonable, absolute. you mean legally in the allowed. law. Yeah, in yeah. the in the law. Um, but similarly, as much as you're, you need to keep your requests reasonable and within what the likely outcome is in law so as not to start a big fight for no reason, mm. if you're going to lose it anyway, mm. um, you also need to be educated so you know if they put an unreasonable proposal, you can write back to them and go, you know. That's not going to happen. The legal equivalent of, are you kidding? Yes. <laughs> and, and, you know, put quote cases back to them or whatever or what the law says. But just keep, yeah, don't get into those little fights over mm. what's reasonable and don't, sort of say, oh, I'll ask for 80%, I can always come down mm. um, because, like we were saying before, the, the order that you're seeking, order that you want, says that you want 80% of everything, a couple of other things usually, and then it goes and that the other person pays your costs. Mm. And the effect on the person receiving that is, is galvanising, really shocking. Yeah. And they're not going to be able to see past the costs and the 80%. And therefore, they'll form the view it's not worth arguing over. And really, if you go to court, your lawyer probably has told you a figure that Mm. you should be reasonably asking for. And had you put a reasonable amount, you might have been able to have a proper dialogue. And settle outside of court. That's right. But once you freak the other person out, Mm. um, then they're fighting tooth and nail. So they're going to put in a counterproposal, which is way, way too low. And then the gap is expensive to fill in. Yeah. So basically what you're saying is, Know what's reasonable, mm. know what you probably should get according mm. to the law so you're not insulting the other person. It's like saying, let's sit down yeah. and negotiate, but first I'm going to call you a lot of names and tell you you don't deserve anything. Yes. And then I hope you're reasonable from the rest of this discussion and we can come to an agreement. Mm. They're not it's, going to come to no, an agreement. they're not going to come to so an agreement. So it's not like making a negotiation in a sale of a house. Yes. You're not buying a used car. No, no you're not is... haggling at the market. No. You're no. trying not to upset them 
at the same time as get what's fair. Absolutely. So it's respectful communication between the both of you. And it is possible, of course, to have different views on what the proper or what a reasonable proposal is. But Mm. keep it real. Um, If you're wanting like a much higher amount than they seem to think, be prepared to put your reasons with the documents that you've collected in item one here Mm. so that you can say, well, no, because I had this much in the bank to start with and here's the proof Mm. because, uh, you know, my mother owned the land or whatever and here's the proof, you know. And and so that you kind of, they may go, oh, oh, I'd forgotten about that. Mm. Or they might go, oh, she's on to me, I can't argue that anymore. Okay. Yes. You know, but whatever. It's it's yeah, just don't be unreasonable, keep it real, keep it factual. Yeah. So if you're if you're asking for something that is never ever going to be given to you by a judge, you're wasting your money. Mm. If you ask for something that's going to fully insult them and is nowhere near what the estimated amount that your lawyer or their lawyer's given them, they're gonna be insulted and you're gonna end up inflaming the situation and probably mm-hmm. not negotiate or settle outside. Absolutely. It could end cost up in you court. tens of thousands of dollars and so it's all about educating yourself and I think mum things that we've noticed over time is once you are educated like our members and listeners they feel a bit more empowered yes and they feel a little bit more certain and sure about themselves so when they are negotiating it's not they're oh, not could defensive. You, could you please give me this? No, I think it's no, right. We're entitled Whereas to this. Whereas now they're going, I'm entitled to this, mm-hmm. so this is what we're going to be negotiating. Yes. And, and it comes across more genuine that yes. you're not going to be playing silly That's and you're right. not going to be playing pussyfooting around. I like the idea that many lawyers are going to be confronted by our very educated, <laughs> confident women. <laughs> and, and men. And men. <laughs> but people we do who are educated, we too. do help a lot. Actually, that's interesting, isn't it? Yes. I shouldn't say women. It is. We help a lot of men as well. Yes. But it, the same thing, if you're going in there self-represented into a mediation, you need to be educated. You need to have your cases at your fingertips. You need to know what they're talking about mm. as well as why you're asking for mm. what you're asking. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So get your facts as soon as possible. Mm. Prove it with evidence. Don't waste your time on furniture. It's mm. going to cost you more than it's worth. Make sure you've educated yourself on what the law is and know that you're asking for something reasonable mm-hmm. and you're not going to upset them or insult them. And then the number four is hunting documents. Yes. So how does hunting for documents, what does that mean and how does it, it affect? It means. A- Did you know you could find us on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok? We're there waiting for you right now. If you want to get more out of the Divorce Course, all you have to do is go to the Divorce Course podcast at Facebook or TikTok or the Divorce Course on Instagram. There we share bite-sized pieces of information and bite-sized inspiration and motivation to help you through this difficult time. Come and join our community and let us know you've joined. We'd love to see you there. And the number four is hunting documents. Yes. So how does hunting for documents, what does that mean and how does it, it affect it means, a costly divorce? So it's not you going through your filing cabinet or, yeah. in one client's case, the, the garbage bags in the ceiling up through the manhole. Whoa. <laughs> one for each year. That's a story. <laughs> <laughs> um, great filing system. Not really. No. You only needed it when you had to. When you needed it, you sorted them out apparently. Oh, if you okay. didn't need it, you, they just sat up there. Huh. <laughs> um, but anyway, so apart from that. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> no, don't do that. But, no, it's getting lawyers to ask the other party for this document or that document or even you writing and asking, I haven't got the bank statement for May 1996 to October 1997. 
Now, if they've given you disclosure, and 97 and 96 is a big extreme, I mean, it really should be only the last year or two, but something critical may have happened back then. Mm. But if it hasn't, why would you do that? Are you trying to find out if they actually took their girlfriend to Hong Kong with them that trip or mm. or are you um, just wanting everything to line up and there's a gap in all of your order, all of those? I haven't got that one. Mm. Make sure that every document you request there's a re- there's a reason for it. I want this document because it will help me prove my contribution to them, you know. Or I want this document because it will prove uh, my phone bill or whatever that I rang three times that day. So you need to have a reason for most of the stuff. the The new child, uh, new family law guidelines, family uh, law rules. Um, set out what's expected to be reasonable for disclosure. And it's only like 12 months of statements and mm. it's got a whole list of things. It's all in um, the central practice direction and in the schedule. And we've done a checklist in we our have. course that's not out yet. <laughs> we have the one if, we're trying to write. Yes, yes the self-rep course. <laughs> that, yes. yes. So, so just keep those documents to a minimum because when you get documents, they have to be read by your lawyer, otherwise he might miss something or she might miss something. Um, and then they have to be filed and recorded, um, they may turn up in court, and the more documents, frankly, the bigger the case. Mm. So keep it and on the, the pivotal cost. point. That's right. The bigger the case, the bigger the cost, and the more there is to argue over. So mm. if you you don't need everyone for that year, you just need maybe you need three months' worth just to check on something mm. or to prove that it was you paying such and such. You know what I mean? It's, it's just keep it sensible. And I find, um, with all due respect to some lawyers, they are – the process of discovery and disclosure uh, becomes all the cases about, and they, I think, that people lose sight of the end goal and what it tries to point. So, I would be saying um, to my listeners here, if there's a document being sought, looked after, um, then ask yourself, what does it prove, and what does it matter? Mm. And if it's just for the principle of the thing, well, just let that one go because you can't afford that. Yeah, and this is general advice yeah. only because, of course, there could be something. So yeah, we don't want to well, say don't, don't. No, but, but, again, it's it's if you want to keep your case mm. cheap and you don't want to end up spending millions like mm. Strawn and Strawn, then you need to be practical about it. And strategic. And every piece of paper, every thing that lawyers will charge you for photocopying it, which yep. Blows my mind that photocopying and reading exists. it again, reading it, um, putting it in a brief for the yes. barrister. The sending, barrister will read it, sending it to the other side if it was from you. Yep, uh, they have to read it when they're preparing for court. It might get attached to an affidavit, mm. but unlikely because but it you, doesn't prove anything. But if you end up with like. I know when I went to court, I saw these people pushing like big trolleys I know. of boxes and boxes of documents. And you just think, holy moly, that's a lot of reading and, and, and really, a lot of dollars. And really, the the principles, as our listeners will know, and the people who've done the course or doing the course will know, it's not that complicated. No. Um, and so it shouldn't be necessary. You can't tell me that every document in those trolleys was necessary mm. to resolve the issue of maybe contributions mm. or future needs or yes. whatever. It just isn't, it doesn't sound feasible. So do you I'm grateful and thankful to say that we've never had a case that involved a trolley. Well, we don't own good. a trolley in I'm our firm. I'm glad, Mother. What, that also confuses me anyway. Wouldn't, why don't they have it in the digital form? It's ridiculous there's carting paper around. What, what are we in the Stone Age? Well, 
Yes, well, it, <laughs> yes, it, in it the, is in the story. When you're age. making submissions to yes. the court and you need to be able to put your finger on several things at once, mm-hmm. um, you really can't beat the paper version. For old people, yes. <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> Mum, the new world. My submissions are always world. on my iPad. I know, yes, but, uh, paper, paper. But I, I for years like had a black cover on my iPad so the judges didn't know I was using an iPad. Okay. Um, you'll see more proactive lawyers now. And for years, like the court was built in 96 and it had like those telephone cables for the old-fashioned way of computers. Oh, wow. But there were many judges who said don't. Don't turn those things on in here, you know. <laughs> and so it, it's taking a long time. Mm. And until I think to be successful, you need to do like they do, I think, in the Supreme Court in Queensland, the lawyers have several screens in yes. front of them and a you few documents a open at open. But, yes, so okay. we digress. We digress. So hunting documents. For the if, sake of if it. If you're just mm. hunting it for the sake of it. And, look, don't get me wrong, I think in the post-separation abuse world, mm. I feel like some some – I've seen it uh, through our members. Some people are just chasing it of their exes because they want to see what they've been yes. doing. And they want to read their their bank statements to see where they go, what they do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're in that space where you're like, I don't want to have to give my bank statements over because they'll know what mm-hmm. gym I go to or they'll know. So you can always think of rules. other ways yeah. around it and yes. look at the rules. But if you're the person who's got a lawyer who's getting documents that date back to. Pull them up. Stop forever. It. Just go, why are we doing this again? Yes, and we, is it worth the money? And remind them the central practice direction says that such processes need to be proportionate. So if you've got a $30,000 pool or a $50,000 um, net equity in something, don't spend $10,000 getting the documents mm. on it. You might as well just settle it. Is it the same for subpoenas? Like if people are in court, mm. um, there's a certain amount of subpoenas you're allowed to have. And say they subpoenaed, I don't know, I'm trying to think of an example, the records from the doctors for the past four years, mm. like would that? It's only relevant if the health of a person is relevant. Mm. But would that court. cost a lot of money because someone do. has to read all do. the notes? Yes, and also don't forget the doctor will probably charge to produce those documents. Mm. So, again, targeted subpoenas are important. Uh, the uh, self-represented people are not allowed to issue subpoenas without the permission of the registrar now, mm-hmm. and even lawyers now are not allowed to issue more than five subpoenas without permission. Mm. And I've seen cases where there's 20, 40, 50 mm. subpoenas. Mm. It's just obscene. And when you do a subpoena, then your lawyer has to go up to the court and read those documents, take notes, get copies, include them to the barrister. The barrister might go up and read. It's just a lot of money. Too many Again. documents, too many money. So yeah. I think you can do death by documents yes. and death by disclosure. Yes. So you're basically saying the the easiest way to rack up your bill mm. is documents mm. and disclosure. And if the other side is getting all upset about not give, you haven't given the right documents, perhaps talk to your lawyer and say, look, how about you step out of this bit and I'll deal with this because I just I want to keep my money for when we're actually in court mm. and for you to actually advise me, not, oh, here's this document and here's number two and here's number three and here's mm. number four. Mm. Uh, the, the lawyer charges the same whether they're using their lawyer brain or if they're being part secretary or, mm. you know, so just part editor, I guess, they're editing and putting mm. it together in a format well, to pass And they have to read it. Yes. Because if there's something in there that you've given them and they haven't read, they can be sued over. So mm. you just, 
opening a whole can of whoop ass. Mm, <laughs> mm. And a big scary bill at the end. Yes. Okay, so there's that step in, step out approach that you mm. can use where, yeah, you can do that bit. Ask a lawyer if they're comfortable with that, of course. Um, but that gets us into that next phase. And, of course, this is all general advice only because yeah. disclosure and subpoenas are important sometimes in court so you don't don't go over the top with it but, you know, mm. you, you sometimes do need to do it but get legal advice. Mm. Um the last one then is don't be afraid to challenge your lawyer. Yes. Or change. Lawyers. Lawyers. Mm-hmm. Now, lawyers aren't going to like this, but I don't think any or lawyers sack listen. Them, Mona. Sack so them for a month or two and then come back on. I only know one lawyer that listens. And so, <laughs> so tell me, Mum, why and how you challenge a lawyer. I think you've got to remember it's your case and it can be run your way. <clears throat> the lawyers, they're really to give you advice mm-hmm. and tell you what's legal and, and what your obligations are, but it's up to you to give instructions. Um, if the lawyer says you have to do this by this date, well, do it because that's probably true. Mm. Just check, you know, does the court order say it, the rules say it, you know, but you can say, uh, why are we chasing all of those documents? That seems unnecessary. Nothing turns on that. And get them to explain it to you. Mm. If it's a really rubbish reason say look you know what don't do that I'll give you an indemnity you know so but just challenge your lawyer on those things if you know more than your lawyer does if you've done the course and you you think your lawyer's missed something like I don't know an inheritance or or, or a contribution or an uh, some contribution your yeah. health factors afterwards that's right or or a potential um payment for something you know um then just say to your lawyer look I think we really ought to include this and and listen to your lawyer if they say, well, this is why we haven't, and that you might say fair enough. But if their reason doesn't match up, mm. um, then think about moving on to another lawyer. If you can't stop them with the disclosure roundabout, um, maybe have them sack them momentarily do your own bit and then come back on board bearing in mind they will have to read it but at least they're not doing the letters back and forth about where's this one mm. where's that one um, and and look and just to be clarify again you do have to do disclosure it's do. part of the pre-action yes. procedures and you can get a lot of trouble if you don't yes it's just the extent of it it's doing it's yeah that's yeah. right so the court's trying to get people to be proportionate and judges sometimes no sorry lawyers protecting themselves probably mm. um, or out of habit or the desire to be like perfect with disclosure uh, are inclined sometimes to be too pedantic about yeah. it yeah and and so I'd be asking my lawyer what does that prove that document mm. can you get a second opinion so you can say to your you lawyer can. why are we doing this and then can you go and see another lawyer and go um mm. is this right you can so what if if you come to another lawyer and you've already got a lawyer uh, that the new lawyer must tell your old lawyer unless you say, I don't want you to tell the other lawyer, I'm just getting a second opinion. Right. And so that never gets transmitted mm-hmm. between the lawyers. And that's totally fine that you do that with the doctor. If Absolutely. they say, you've got to have surgery, we've got to cut off both your legs, you're probably going to want to go, why? Mm-hmm. And then go to another doctor and go, do I have to get my legs mm-hmm. cut off? Is there another alternative? Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with doing no, that. There's no. nothing wrong with getting a second opinion. In fact, I, I think it's a good thing. Yeah. The only issue is often is the complicated case is hard to explain to a new lawyer that's true you know but if you get an hours uh, an hour interview 
maybe just ask them on that point. Mm. You know, am I on the right track here? Is my lawyer, you know, does he really, she really have to do this? Mm. And just sort of just reassure yourself. You can always Google, listen to us, but ours is general advice. Yes. But a lawyer that you go and see for a second opinion can probably give you more targeted advice mm. about if you're on the right track. And does um, does having a family accredited specialist, and now this isn't an ad for you because no. you don't want to take on any more clients no really, more. but um, is it getting a family law accredited specialist, does that make your divorce more expensive or can it make it cheaper? Well, or it does make it expensive because our hourly rate is higher. Mm. Um, but I like to think, that um, the the um, I like to think that the our experience means we don't take as long to uh, get to the point mm-hmm. as I just did then. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry. Yeah. And also, sort of, we you can just call bullshit on the other side's arguments mm-hmm. straight away because we know. Hang on a minute. You can't do that because of zick and zick this case yeah. or Rob's case or yeah. you know. So that these people are the bomb. And the way I got into family law um, um, as an accredited specialist was that I was once a general practitioner. I did everything when I was young, when you were little, Mm. and I did conveyancing, I did franchising, personal injuries and and family law and wills. And one day I was trying to get another lawyer to make an offer to my client. So I rang him up and was just sort of trying to encourage him to, you know, make an offer and dropping hints that my client might be interested in an offer. And, and he didn't move a bit. He told me a few cases and he really put me in my place nicely. I hung up and I thought, I didn't do my client any good there. Um, and then I looked him up and he did nothing but personal injuries cases. Ah. And so he just chewed me up and spat me out. And that was the day I decided I had to be a family lawyer only because on family law, I was chewing up and spitting people. Yes, but yeah. on, but I couldn't be top. You can't at be everything. good at everything. Uh, and so in this period time of specialization, no one gets their feelings hurt. If you've got a general lawyer who looks after your wills and and you know that you go to for a car accident or whatever, motor vehicle crash, um, they would not get their nose out of joint if you go to a specialist family lawyer. Mm. And I, I just think specialist family lawyers, if there's if the other lawyer's got, if the other party's got a good lawyer, mm-hmm. your case will be cheaper. Yes, because if you if there's two people who know what they're talking about, they arrive at the conclusion pretty quickly. Do you see non-specialist family lawyers in the family court getting yelled at by judges? <laughs> no, you don't. Um, um, do you- it's it. You know, when I went to do family law early on, uh, the the word was it's very clicky. Mm-hmm. that all of the judges know all the practitioners and there are a lot of things that aren't explained that you can get wrong. Mm. Um, I think that used to be the case. Mm-hmm. Now um, the case is I think that you can find out um, what you need to know before you go there and there should be uniformity. Mm. And, of course, it's a bigger profession because yes. I joined law about uh, seven years after the Family Law Act came into play. Mm-hmm. And so it was a small court and small practice. Now it's a much bigger routine. But um, I I think it would be uh, a common experience for a non-family lawyer to maybe not not understand something mm. and, you know, or be up to date maybe. Yeah. So it's what you can afford, I guess. Yes. But um, if you're going to have a person who, who doesn't 
just do family law. Um, you need to educate yourself so that so that everything goes through to the end. Okay. Yeah, properly. Right. So the five things that you need to do is get the facts and mm. have that evidence as soon as possible to yep. stop the ping pong letters. Mm-hmm. Stop the furniture problems and fights because it's just going to cost you more than it's worth, mm. even though it's sad. Um, educate yourself and know that what you're fighting for is reasonable. And what they're looking for. And what for they're looking for is, is reasonable, reasonable. So you're not wasting your time mm-hmm. over that argument. Hunting for documents for no reason is going to cost you a lot of money. And don't be afraid to challenge your lawyer. Yeah. Or change or get a second opinion. Yeah. And if you're interested in any more lawyer kind of things, we have a uh, red flags episode on lawyers yes and we also have on our instagram how to choose a lawyer based on their divorce personality type Mm -hmm. and of course in our course the diy divorce blueprint we talk you through how to choose a lawyer based on their personality type and what you should be looking for and not the lawyer's personality no no (laughs) no, but we do talk about their personalities because sometimes that can clash so be really mindful that there are a lot of pieces to the puzzle Mm. Um, and if you put them in together in a certain way, your divorce outcome is going to be expensive. Mm. Uh, but if you put it together in another way, in a, in a smart way, mm. you can avoid being like Strawn and Strawn. And the family court, um, the family law courts actually have now a smarter divorce. They've got little booklets and things. Right. So they're encouraging people yes. to be mindful of costs, not to just blindly follow you know, mm, the sort of mm. discovery path or the arguing path. Yeah. And there are cost consequences if you're asking for something that's not reasonable yes. or the other person's asking. So when you get to court and they're what they've asked for is like weirdly out of whack, uh, the court, the judge may make a cost order against them or their lawyer Which now. means they have to pay you money. Some money. They won't to pay make all your legal bills to make up for dragging you all for that way you for no it. reason. And don't forget, you're putting offers in mm-hmm. all the time, mm-hmm. keeping a reasonable offer, and you can refer to that as in your arguments for costs mm. okay. um, at the end. So. Well, it could be more costly again if you get done for costs and the judge says you are unreasonable. Yes. What you're asking for is unreasonable. You've wasted the court's time. Now you pay some of their legal yes. fees. Yes, that's right, because they made a reasonable offer way back in February 2023 and you didn't accept it. And we've got an episode that I'll put in the show notes called Costs and Calderbank Offers. Calderbank Offers. Calderbank Offers. So if you want to go listen to that, if you're worried about getting in trouble with that as Mm. well. Thank you, Mum, so much for your time. You're welcome. And anybody who's listening, we are going to uh, next month choose another lucky reviewer on our Apple podcast, write a review, and we'll call you out in our in our show. Obviously not your real name, but the the name you use. But thanks everyone for listening and thanks for coming. Bye everyone. If you found this podcast helpful, we'd love it if you could rate, review and subscribe. By doing so, you are spreading the word to help someone else just like you. Lynn would like to remind you that this podcast is general advice only and you should always get legal advice in relation to your particular situation. And remember that the Australian laws may have changed since recording.